Today's episode covers a wide range of topics from leadership and building a company to name image and likeness legislature in the NCAA and empowering student athletes to better build their brands. From Engagement, I'm David Millay, and this is Flip the Switch. Quick plug before we get to our guest introduction today. If you're focused on guest experience or employee experience, definitely go check out our email newsletter. As we work with pro teams and college athletic departments around the country, we're taking the lessons that we learn from our experiments and our projects, and we're putting those insights into the newsletter. A couple of times per week, you'll get everything from the articles and content that are inspiring us to innovate, as well as new tools that we're using and loving. If you get value from this show, you're going to love the newsletter. To sign up, head to engagementpartners.com backslash newsletter. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Flip the Switch, where we sit down with leaders in customer experience and employee experience, and we try to figure out what are the trends that they're paying attention to? What are the experiments that they're running? What are the principles that have driven success for them in their careers? Then we take all of those insights and we apply them to the world of sports and entertainment. Now, today's guest, we have Jim Cavell, the founder and CEO of Influencer. If you're not familiar with Influencer, Influencer is the leading software company powering student-athlete brand building. Uh, It provides college athletic departments with the content delivery and compliance platform to assist NCAA athletics programs in the management and monitoring of student-athlete name, image, and likeness activities. So Jim is going to tell us a lot more about the founding of Influencer, uh, how they got started, where the idea came from, how they've grown over the years, and what the principles have been for him as he's grown his company and really made a ton of impact throughout the college athletics marketplace. Uh, we also, with Jim, we're going to get into uh, a lot of his philosophies on balance and leadership specifically. If you've ever heard Jim speak before, he is an incredibly dynamic speaker, but part of that is because of his true focus on the holistic being. Uh, it's not just about business for Jim. Anytime he talks about business, you really get to see his personal side of things as well and how that approach influences different business decisions. And I think it's a key takeaway for anybody listening here is that it, it is at all, ultimately it's more than about the dollars and the bottom line. Uh, it truly is about how are we making impact in the world? And, and this is really going to come through in, in Jim's story here uh, as we dive into it with him. Um, couple other things for you guys as you're listening. We're going to talk a lot about name, image, and likeness, obviously, as there are uh, a lot of things going on in the name, image, and likeness space right now uh, with legislature in certain states set to take place uh, in July on July 1st. Um, so Influencer has rolled out a, a number of new initiatives from Influencer Verified to Influencer Plus uh, that Jim is going to talk a little bit about and how their tools at Influencer are helping to prepare athletic departments and student athletes to really tackle this brave new world of name, image, and likeness. Um, So without further ado, let's jump into Jim's story uh, and what Jim has to tell us about brand building, about leadership, about running a company, uh, and ultimately about student athletes, name, image, and likeness. So without further ado, let's jump into this episode with Jim Cavale. 
Jim, welcome to the show. Man, it's great to be here, David. Always great to chop it up with you. All right. Well, let's jump in. Obviously, we've got a lot of great things to talk about. Uh, Timing of this conversation seems to be pretty good with all the craziness and and busyness and uh, success that you guys are having right now. But let's start first with Influencer and its founding. What really drove you to create Influencer uh, from the get-go? What were the things that you were seeing and and what caused you to say, I got to create this incredible company? Well, I think for me, it was just seeing athletes garner such attention on social media with their personal social media channels. There was just this clear distinction between uh, the followings that athletes command versus teams and brands in the sports realm. And uh, that's because athletes drive sports, right? Like when you look at your favorite team, uh, the teams you grew up watching, the sports you love, the leagues you love, the faces of athletes are what you think of. And so social media has brought that to the forefront by giving athletes a voice that they can control and really their own media channel that they can use to get their message out there. But what I noticed was while athletes were garnering a lot of attention in quantities of followers that were just migrating towards their accounts, they really didn't know what to do with it. They weren't posting often. When they did post, they posted content that was stolen, was you know watermarked. It wasn't their voice, even though it could be. And I wanted to change that. And I felt like college was a great place to start because I knew with the O'Bannon case and the result of it, let alone the new case that became the Alston case, I I knew that there was an NIL thing coming. There was an athlete empowerment movement coming. And if we could get in on the front of that with an app that athletes use to help them have this voice, we could build something special. And so after seven awesome years in my previous business with an amazing business partner and an awesome model fitness uh, centers, basically all across the U.S., I decided to, to, to make the move uh, to, to sell out of that business and really focus on building something new in this space. And I didn't know the name of it at that time. Uh, I didn't even know the exact product, but I knew I needed to spend some time researching and finding a way to empower athlete voices and do it first in the college realm. And and this is not just an opportunistic business for you. I mean, for you, this is really driven on passion because of your former experience as a student athlete as well, right? Yeah. You know, I, I played division two baseball. I'm, I'm from Syracuse, New York, and I ended up down in Alabama and uh, played, played division two baseball at the university of Montevallo, just South of Birmingham, Alabama. And in college, never took a business class, but I found my passion for for business as an entrepreneur. Uh, I started my first business in college, did it five years out of college, um, built multiple businesses. And it all started for me with realizing that my time playing college ball was a short window where I had the opportunity to make great connections, connections that could you know, reap benefits for my career as an entrepreneur. And realizing that came from, from mentors and different people I met because of the platform of playing college ball. And so, and that's a microcosm of the market. We serve division one, especially big time division one, tons of attention in a short window of time because you play for three, four years Mm -hmm. that both in person or now on social media, you can leverage your position as an athlete while you're playing to create opportunities that will echo throughout the rest of your life and help you maybe leave a legacy that echoes throughout eternity. So it's like 
that's how big I see it. And that's the passion behind influencer. It's not, you know, about uh, just, you know, becoming a pro athlete or even with NIL coming all about like making as much money as you can. Like that's not really, that's, that's still the smaller picture. The bigger picture is how can you use the attention you have because of this ball that you're able to put in the hole. And then when that ball deflates, how can you let the relationships and connections you cemented while that ball was inflated and you were laying it in, how can you use those connections to, to, to build a career and a legacy that echoes throughout the rest of your life and beyond? Yeah, it, it, it's super interesting. I don't know if you and I have ever talked about this, but my little brother played soccer at University of Cincinnati. Uh, and then his, <clears throat> his fifth year, he played at Coastal Carolina, but played one year for FC Cincinnati uh, up in uh, for USL. Um, and now they're the major league soccer team. And he maybe wasn't the worst guy on the team, but he never got any playing time. But he said, you know what? Let me use this and go to every community event, build all the relationships that I can in the in the city while I have this platform. Once he left the team and hung up the boots, he now had all these relationships with, with leaders throughout the city, started his own creative agency, and now they're absolutely killing it. They're one of the biggest agencies uh, in the city at a really, in a really short time span. And he did all that because he leveraged the platform when he was playing. So I love what you guys. Well, are doing and, I, and I think, you know, it's not like this is a, a novel concept, right? Like right. Ivy league schools and the best schools in America are schools that young kids work really hard to be able to apply and get into. Um, and there's a reason for that. And it's not the books are better and it's not because the teachers are, the, uh, so much better. I, I know they have great professors and we're trying to, but it's because of the people you're going to go to school with. For it's sure. the network that you open yourself up to if you go to Harvard. And so the same way that very smart uh, people in academia um, are able to take advantage of getting into a top school and being opened up to that network, athletes have the opportunity to use their talent to put them on a stage that creates avenues they never would have realized otherwise. It's I love what you guys are doing. And I want to talk a little bit more specifically about how you guys are helping athletes realize what we're talking about here. Um, we, could, we could do a whole podcast on the evolution of influencers. So maybe we don't go there. But obviously, you guys have merged with Teamworks. You're growing. You're, you're with yeah. a thousand plus athletic teams now, I think it is. Um, talk to us a little bit about the, uh, evolution. And then I want to talk about some of the new things that you guys have gotten into in the last couple of months. Well, listen, I'm a big believer. just, my, my philosophy as an entrepreneur is, is when you're going to start something, um, you think your idea is so good, but what you don't realize is it's not anything if the market won't write a check for it. And so for me, it starts with Dwayne Peavy, who's now the athletic director at the university or at DePaul. Uh, but at the time was the deputy athletic director at the University of Kentucky. Uh, Dwayne and I go way back to Montevallo. He was at Montevallo right before I was. And, and that's how we originally got connected. Had this, this uh, position at Kentucky where while he was a number two guy in the athletic department under Mitch Barnhart, he also was Cal's guy for men's basketball. He was a sport administrator for men's basketball. And so I showed Dwayne what I wanted to build to help athletes have an app that they could use to get content as it's shot by the university, uh, but also content as it's shot by the external media sources that are credentialed covering the games, practices, and everything else the athletes do. And I wanted our app to be the place 
where athletes would get that content, share it to their personal social media channel, share more often, grow a bigger following, but also have other resources to help educate them, whether it's social media metrics, whether it's videos and, and text uh, on different topics uh, that have to do with building a brand. So I show them this concept and, and uh, it was December of 2016, uh, a few months after I had left Iron Tribe and uh, started working on this concept that would become influencer. And uh, I, I met with them at Ole Miss. I drove over with my daughter about three hours west of Birmingham, um, meet with them before Kentucky plays Ole Miss. And uh, he gives me great feedback and affirmation that there's a hole that, you know what, athletes are actually asking for content all the time. There's no means to get it to them. Athletes um, are asking on these topics and we're really only telling them about the don'ts. You know, don't do this. Don't do this. We're not really giving them the dues. And so that gave me enough to go back to the, you know, the office and, and grind it out a little bit more and start to design a prototype uh, with a, a developer I knew uh, that was clickable and could take the concept to life. Uh, you know, spend a, a, a small amount of money putting together a logo and a website, and a, th- a name, right? And, and getting something off the ground enough where I could go out and try to sell it. Because once again, what did I say earlier? The market won't write a check. Your idea is not really anything. Um, Because we all think our ideas are great. And and we also don't realize that that we all could come up with, I mean, if you and I go in a room for a day, we'll come up with the next five great app ideas. But we got to go execute them. (laughs) And so, you know, execution is where the magic is because your idea gets altered and molded by the market who's going to write a check for it. So. so we go into you know uh, early 2017, and I just start shopping this thing around. My daughter comes with me again, and and at this time she's uh, she's I think uh, 15 years old. And on her spring break, we took a week trip. We drove from Birmingham to Nashville, met with Vanderbilt. Drove from Nashville to Lexington, met with UK again. Uh, drove from Lexington to Columbus, met with Ohio State. Drove from Columbus to Syracuse and met with Syracuse, and that's where I'm from. So we got to see my family. It was a fun road trip pitch four schools, tons of great feedback. And people are always like, how did you get the meetings? And, you know, I had built businesses previously and, and had some good connections in college sports and was able to get in front of people. And I had spent the $15,000 to have a logo, a website, right. a presentation and a prototype. And so uh, the meetings went great. And Kentucky decides in June of 2017 to sign a contract spending five figures a year for men's basketball at UK to be our first client. That's when I knew I was going to really do this thing. It, until that, I was just trying to see if it was real. And so at that point, I hired two developers and I, I had cash from the exit I had from my previous business so I could start without investors and, and start also with full-time hires. And so I hired two engineers to start building a product because if Kentucky is going to buy it, now I got to build it, right? right I got to right. honor what I sold You got to service it. Uh, the click, clickable demo is not enough at that point. And so uh, I, I hired two developers, get them working on the product with a plan to be done by the fall. Um, and they had designed the prototype. So they knew what they had to code. And uh, that's when it gets even more real because now I'm writing, you know, five figure checks each month to yep. two full-time employees. Um, and so from there, uh, Auburn and UAB, uh, South Carolina and Troy all signed. And I had five schools uh, really just football and basketball. Um, and it was like, okay, now we've got capital, um, that I'm putting into it. We've got recurring revenue contracts that we've signed 
and we're going to get a product out and get it used. And that's the next important phase in any business, but also in our evolution. So we roll it out in the fall and no app, just a mobile website that athletes would use to get content. And it was clunky and athletes weren't using it because they couldn't get video through a mobile website. And it was kind of a pain in the butt to get pictures. And Kentucky didn't have the time, neither did the other schools to tag everything. And so we stopped and we said, okay, we've got these contracts, but these, these schools ain't, ain't renewing if we don't get this fixed and their kids aren't using it, let alone, we ain't going to sign new schools. Right. And so with those realities in the, in the, you know, November period of 2017, we start building an app and we build artificial intelligence to automate the tagging. Yep. Right. Because once again, your idea at the beginning needs to be molded by the market and that's through usage and through also them writing a check and feeling invested and validating your idea enough to start with you. And so those five clients were huge because they got us to a place where in January we launched the app and the athletes are using it and the AI is working and saving the staff of the school time and, uh, and, and more schools start to sign. And so, uh, you know, I, from there, I, I remember those early days where it felt like in uh, front office sports that, that you guys were dropping a new client announcement every week. It got to that point, right? Uh, we weren't there yet. I mean, 2018 was still a tough year. I raised, um, started to raise some money because we had the recurring revenue. We needed to build a bigger staff. And I'm going to tell you the first half of the year, we didn't sign a client. I mean, we were still at five clients. I'm here raising money and I'm like, I mean, we haven't signed a client. Now, I didn't understand the seasonality of college sports. Right. Um, and as June came, Miami signs. And as, as the summer comes, Syracuse signs, Duke signs, Carolina signs, South Florida signs. Now it's not, and it just, it just compounds, you know, it compounds. And so by the end of, uh, 2018, we got to 20 clients and, um, and then 2019, we just kind of, you know, we, we grew almost five X in revenue and, um, we, you know, went beyond a hundred schools. And, uh, during all this, Zach Marides, the CEO at Teamworks had invested in the seed round where we raised some money. And so he got to watch, have a front seat and he saw the growth from, you know, 2018 to 2019. And, um, you know, he knew that we were going to raise a series a from venture capital. And he came to me with an idea. It was our storyteller summit, our user conference we do each year. And, uh, we had over a hundred schools represented and it was a Turner sports in studio J where the NBA on TNT is every, every night. And, um, it was a really awesome event. Zach was there. He opened it up. Actually, I had him speak. And after the event, he pulls me aside, takes me into one of the green rooms and he sits me down and he says, I got an idea. And, you know, we're venture back. We're about to raise a series C capital round. And uh, I think we could, could bring influencer into Teamworks and become one company, two products. And so, um, you know, he, he, he paints this picture and it took me a little bit to get my head around it. it took me a few weeks, uh, but I knew that Zach and Teamworks had been in the industry a lot longer than I had, you know, a decade plus longer than I had. I knew they had deep relationships with universities. I also knew that they had great relationships at the pro level. I mean, more than half the teams in the NBA, NHL, MLB, MLS, NFL, 
use Teamworks. Um, I knew that they charged a premium. We were always more expensive than our competitors. Teamworks is more expensive than us. You know, six-figure annual deals that are five years long. And I just felt like there was a lot we could learn. There was a lot of resources that we wouldn't have to build infrastructurally ourselves because they already had. And, um, and it economically was great for our investors, uh, my employees, and, and me. And had had tons of upside as well uh, for the future, and so we did it. We we signed it in October of 2019. So you know, it's a quick story. It's it's really not even a two year journey to the merger with Teamworks, yeah. and um, and then uh, they had to raise 25 million dollars in a Series C to close that deal, and it was supposed to be closed by January of 2020. Well, they need a little bit more time. They're trying to find the right partner. They close it in the middle of the pandemic in wow. March. And so I started to wonder, you know, and I think everybody did, what was reality at that point? And, you know, by the grace of God, Teamworks closes that round. Delta V led the round along with the existing investors from Seaport Capital and General Catalyst, awesome VCs firms that, that make up the, 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 you know, cap table for Teamworks are all on board. And we complete the deal in, uh, on March 31st of 2020. And uh, we've been able to really do some some really special things since, especially as we get into this NIL era. Yeah. Let, let's talk a little bit about that NIL era now. So we've got, uh, you know, a lot of news that are that are hitting almost on a daily basis, it seems like on what July 1st is going to hold, our school is going to honor it and how, how the legislature actually comes to play. What's the NCAA's ruling? you guys are really well positioned to help student athletes and athletic departments in the NIL era. So maybe let's talk a little bit about some of the new tools that you guys have launched to help guide athletic departments through this and help empower student athletes to build their brands. Yeah. So listen, there's, there's really three parties now involved in this and, and you may have heard or read of my three cookie jars analysis on this, but there's the institutional dollars, which we've been charging institutions since day one for our software. We, they pay us an annual subscription fee. Um, and it's a long-term deal. It's usually a three to five year deal. Um, and then you have, you know, with NIL, the opportunity for brands and student athletes to be a part of this, right? So brands are going to spend money. Student athletes are going to make money. And student athletes may have to spend some money on services that support them. So there's there's money. If you're a business or you see all these businesses now coming into this NIL world, there's the ability to make money from the institution, from a brand or company that's spending money with the student athlete, and then from the student athlete. And for us, we have such deep relationships between Teamworks and Influencer, more than 290 Division One institutions have annual contracts that go through 2025 on average. Their average deal length is four years. And they're spending six figures a year between the two products. And so we have a big responsibility uh, to those institutions to make sure that they know they are our priority. And so we made a fundamental decision after looking at the more than 30 state bills that are out there for NIL, uh, the more than half a dozen federal bills that are out there, or just the NCAA recommendations, regulations, because everybody's trying to figure out what the rules are going to be. We don't know, but we, we have all that to look at. And it's pretty clear that the majority of those bills, you can't take uh, money from more than one of the three cookie jars. 
And if you try to take money from all three, you're going to create a conflict legislatively or just with good business practices, sure. right? Because if you're serving the institution and they're spending dollars with you, and then you're taking the athletes, they onboard onto your platform, and then you go make money off of them. The institution at some point is going to say, am I structured right in this deal? Right. And also, am I the priority or is there another priority? So we had to think about all that because everybody, whether it's investors or the market in general, wanted us when NIL became real in April of 2020 to say, our next progression is we're going to be a marketplace where student athletes can now make money through us. But it was just clear we could not make that decision and go all in on that, at least at this time. We had to show the institutions our allegiance to them by creating great solutions to help automate all NIL transaction reporting for student athletes so that the institution can oversee it and keep the student athletes safe. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we've done. You know, Influencer Verified is a progression of our existing influencer product. The influencer product is known as a brand building product. It's been there to help athletes build brands since day one. And we do that by giving athletes access to content as it's shot by local media, national media, and their school. We do that by giving access to education to learn more about their NIL business. We do that by helping athletes um, see their metrics on social media and their growth and compare it to other athletes. We've always done that. But the progression now is Influencer Verified, which gives athletes at the college level in exchange the influencer compliance exchange and what's in there are apps like Cameo where student athletes can sign up to go make money, but they have to leave influencer and go to Cameo to do it. But because they started it an influencer by learning about Cameo, all the reporting is connected and it automatically reports the transactions back to influencer for the athlete to see those transactions, but also for the school to oversee them and support the athlete. And so it's a compliance ledger for the compliance staff to look at all the transactions, but it's also a compliance exchange for athletes to find all the different apps and platforms that exist that pro athletes and celebrities use that they can now use. And a lot of people want to know, well, why are you doing that? What's in it for you? How are you making money off of it? What's Cameo paying you? And the answer is $0 because we made a decision to continue to focus on the institution. That's where our revenue comes from. And so to take money from each transaction, even if it's not happening on Influencer, would really be talking out of both sides of our mouth. We, we just feel strongly that right now we have to make the institution our priority by creating more tools that help the student athlete. And so that's, that's what Verified is. And we're real excited about it because the majority of our existing clients will add it, but it's also going to continue to uh, give us a new value prop with, with new customers we'll bring up. It, it's super interesting the the decision to really focus in on one of those cookie jars. Obviously, there's some legislature there that that kind of forces you guys to do that. Um, but I, I love that you've said, "Hey, this is our core client. This is our core customer. We understand them really well. We have relationships with them. Let's drive in there and create tools for them." And I think that's really important going forward as these athletic departments run more lean. And who knows what it looks like? And how can we look at services and say, let's not add processes, let's automate things and free up time and energy uh, and resources, quite frankly, to do other things as an organization. But I, but I also think, and I'm curious as your thought on this, my personal point of view is that the athletic departments going forward really almost should start to function as 
a content house or a creative agency helping to empower student athletes to build their brands. Um, so I'm curious as to your point of view as to what should athletic department's role be going forward? Is it one primarily of education, one primarily of compliance, one pr- primarily of providing tools so that student athletes can become their own creators? Where do you think the, the future of the business end of athletic departments are going to be? I, I think that a lot of that will be determined by following the money, right? So the reality is, is right now, institutions are trying to understand what their unit economics look like once NIL happens. The threats are that a company that might spend money with the institution today may change their mind and want to spend money with the student athlete instead tomorrow. Um, I don't think that that threat is as real or um, impactful as some might. I also think that that threat could be mitigated by allowing the school and the athlete to do deals together with the same brand, but that'll be determined by the rules. Most rules say that's not allowed. Um, So with all that, I think there's no doubt that creating content and doing it even more intentionally and creatively for teams and specific athletes or groups of athletes is a really good decision. But right now, if you needed to connect it to an ROI, it would be on the recruiting side because there's really not a direct sales opportunity that comes from it for the university. And that's what they've been trying to figure out the whole time. Like even with influencer, what's the ROI? Well, my staff is going to save a ton of time getting content to student athletes. Number one. Number two, uh, student athletes are going to build a bigger brand with more followers and more engagement than they would otherwise. Okay. Uh, Number three, we as a school through the collective audience that our student athletes reach are going to reach a much bigger audience that we couldn't pay. uh, You know, we, we would spend a lot more money on if we did paid uh, distribution and, uh, and that audience also happens to be our fans and recruits, which really is who we want to reach. And so those three things are what we sold influencer off of. And it made the software expense make sense to the athletic department. But Ultimately, the agency approach is expensive uh, It's if it's done right. And you've seen schools do it right. And it's hard for other schools to make that ad, especially coming off a pandemic where they're trying to do more with less. So they're going to have to see that pure ROI attribute uh, to, to make that decision. And then they're also going to see competitors do it. And that's going to drive them as well. Who, when you think about going forward, who's driving a lot of these conversations internally within the athletic department um, around influencer and around student athlete brand building? Is it primarily coaches? Is it primarily senior associate ADs? I mean, who do you feel like is primarily driving these conversations? It obviously, varies case by case. But yeah, at the beginning, it was social media, creative, and communication staff members that we really engaged to to be able to get a deal done. And then it evolved, you know, we started having success and the head coach started finding out about it and, uh, and, and the athletic director. And so, you know, I remember in, in late 17, when I launched influencer and in, in most of 18, I thought it'd be so cool if I could get in front of an athletic director or head coach in 19, I could get in front of most, if not all, even a, a, an older head coach that doesn't know a lot about social, I could get, I could get in front of that head coach, uh, because of the value we were delivering. Um, and then all of a sudden, uh, we went from being in this category that I would call athlete brand building that we be emerged as the, the king of in college. 
And, and all of a sudden, overnight, April 2020, the category gets renamed. It's renamed NIL. And since it's been renamed NIL, now you're talking to the NIL working group at each school. And it's a lot of compliance folks. And so it's interesting how it's gone from us, the personas, if you're talking marketing or sales, right, yeah. that we sold to or market to. We've gone from, you know, social media staff, communications to coaches and, uh, you know, ADs to compliance. And that's why Verified is such a strong release for us because it speaks to them. They need peace of mind. They're, they're worried that do they have enough staff. How are they going to? you know, communicate with student athletes about flag transactions when they can't even get, find a 10 minute window with time management rules to do that. Uh, how, how are they going to uh, get student athletes to self-report when they can't get a student athlete to fill out a web form to tell them how many tickets they need for the next game for their parents, right? So we're going to solve those things with this product and really give the student athletes ways to automate all the reporting, find out about way more things than they probably know when it comes to making money and do it in the same place where we've been doing the brand building stuff for the past three and a half years. It's no question. It's a win for everybody. Uh, as you guys roll out the program, I'm, I'm curious to, you know, we had Luca Garza on the, on the show, I guess earlier this week, as he rolled out his NFT, uh, and, and had some success there. What's interesting to me is that it's, I think a lot of people's brains when they talk about NIL they they first gravitate towards sponsorships and no, no, there's so many other ways for these kids to make money now with the democratization of creator tools that are out there. Um, so I'm curious as to how Verified will kind of track if a kid's streaming on Twitch and taking donations in from that way. Um, how does Verified how does Verified work with some of those more obscure ways of generating money from uh, an individual's brand? It's a great question, and the answer is that is what we're. Uh, that, that is what we're focused on with 90% of our attention inside the compliance exchange. Um, and, and so we broke down our student athlete user network with Navigate Research. And we feel strongly that less than 2% of our student athlete user network are performers. Performers are your Trevor Lawrence's, your Zion Williamson's. And they're the ones who are going to attract Coca-Cola and Gatorade and Jordan brand, right? And they're going to do endorsement deals. Now, first of all, any athlete that's a performer that's going to do those deals, they are not going to do that deal purely through technology. It's too complex. They're going to have to negotiate. So you're going to see parents and agents get involved to help those student athletes, there's very few of them, do those deals. We do, however, in Verified, have a reporting mechanism where the student athlete can literally press a button and send a link to the company they're working with, and the company does the reporting for them. That's how endorsement deals and sponsorship deals like a Ford deal or a Coca-Cola deal will be reported for the student athlete and compliance to see. The next segment of our student athlete user network are producers. Producers are the ones who play and they're good athletes, but they're also very savvy with technology and on social media, they're active, right? And so that's where most of our focus is with all of the apps that we're bringing into the compliance exchange. Twitch integration, YouTube ad network integration, Twitter ad network integration, right? Um, all those things are gonna be made available 
for student athletes to sign up an influencer and finish the sign up on that platform so they can go process whatever transactions they process, but it automatically reports back. And that's why we did the cameo deal. That's why we did the player's trunk deal. That's why you'll see Nita Srikanth, who leads a team of folks doing those deals daily. You're going to see a lot of those announcements coming every week, the rest of this year and beyond, because we're going to fill up that app store that is the influencer compliance exchange so that athletes can see every one of those things that are out there. And yes, NFTs will be a huge part of it. And so um, that's, that's our philosophy. And the rest of our network is players. And the players are the ones who, you know, they might do a $50 gift card with a local pizza place, but they're not really that active on social and with their brand and they don't really care. And that's fine. But the reality is, is the the producers are what we're focused on. They make up 74% of our student athlete user network and the opportunities for them are already being used by pro athletes and celebrities every day. And now all of a sudden overnight, they'll be allowed to use those opportunities as well. And they'll find them through us, but they'll transact outside of us with automatic reporting. Yeah, I, I, I love that you guys are focusing on the majority of the student athletes, not the big sexy things that always grab all the headlines, the Trevor Lawrence's, the stars. You're focusing on truly what the athletic departments work worry about the most, which is the majority of their their student athletes and, and providing for all opportunities for all of them. Um, all right, last NIL question. I want to get into some personal stuff with you. You've got a lot of stuff going on. I'm really curious as a as a leader, just how you manage it all. But last question on on NIL. What question do you feel like administrators or the NIL working groups are getting stuck on the most? What's giving them the most hangups that you're seeing when you have discussions with them? I think that they're paralyzed around legislation to a degree that is preventing them from seeing the importance of having a system that engages their student athletes now, that begins to educate them now that helps them build their brand now and gives them the ability to even use mock data to practice for NIL transactional reporting later. Um, And so like what's allowed and what's not, like you can't control that. And so to be paralyzed by that is, is insane. It's kind of like, it's kind of like if, 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 if you were like, well, we're, we're going to go play the game, but we're not going to practice. We're not going to lift weights. We're not going to do cardio, uh, vascular training. Uh, we're just going to show up and play the game. And so like for the rest of this year, uh, Miami football, we are not, we're not doing spring football. We're not doing anything. We're just going to show up, play Alabama in the, in the Mercedes dome in Atlanta, uh, on Labor Day weekend. We'll see you there. Like, no, like you've got to, you don't know exactly what plays Alabama is going to run. You don't know the Alabama scheme is going to be, but you've got to prepare for that. You got to prepare your coaching staff to do everything they can do to prepare your student athletes to be ready for that game, right? And there's nutrition and there's agility training and there's cardio training and there's weightlifting and there's, you know, max days and there's light days and there's deloading and there's big practices and all that stuff you got to do to get ready. And so with this, what do you got to do? Number one, you got to have a software tool that your compliance staff is going to be trained on using, feels comfortable with, you've ran mock data through it, you know what's going to help your student athletes automatically report so you're not worried about them reporting and you're confident in it. All right, number two, what do you got to do? You got to help your student athletes build their brands so they have maximum value so you can start to sell that in recruiting by showing the brand growth your institution has when you're recruiting. All right, great, let's get them that. Uh, Number three, once your student athletes are there, 
You got to start teaching them around NIL. You got to give them education. You got to show them their metrics on social media. What's it, what's it worth? What, what could they do better? Um, oh, on top of that, you also need to know that they're in a place every day, not a new place you're going to buy, but a place every day they're already at where you can give them the reporting mechanism. So it's easy for them to do and it's not another new place for them to go. All right, let's do that. And if schools would all think that way, then they would go into this with way more peace of mind. And then there'd be like, the 10 things they thought might be allowed or not. And they found out that seven are and three are. It doesn't change anything I just said. I want to get into, as we talk about leadership, some of the things that make you such a strong leader is you've got a great personal balance within your life. You're, it's not all business for you. Um, you know, I, I've been friends with you on Instagram for a while now, and, and it's filled with your personal balance, whether it be your family, whether it be different vacations that you're taking to just refresh and then hit hit the office hard again. Uh, talk to us a little bit about your philosophy on balance. I've got a ton of specific questions if we've got more time, but go ahead. Well, I think the, the reality is this, there's, there's domains that make up a man or woman and business is just one of them. And so unfortunately, we get so engulfed in our careers that sometimes if we're performers in our careers and we're hard chargers, we make business the one domain. And I think that we've all met people who unfortunately fell to that. And most of us have fell to that at some point if we're a hard charger. I have. Yep. Um, I've had points in my life where, where business has been the only domain. And uh, by the grace of God, I saw those imperfections and somehow was brought back to what, what is balance. And so to me, there's, there's four domains. Uh, there's, there's business, but there's also body and there's, you know, your, your, your physical self and how you feel and uh, you know, how you look and uh, you know, uh, how you are able to uh, sustain things and, and your endurance and, and your stamina physically uh, is, is important and it affects your business. Um, and your business could affect your body because you have more money to spend on, uh, the right food and the right trainer and the right tools to pour into your body and, and be the best you can be. Then, then there's balance and balance is the domain that is, you know, if you're married, it's your spouse and your marriage, which should be more important than your business. Um, it's your, your, your children. If you have children, it's your friends and family. And I think it's it's super important to realize that once again, your time spent in business and the money you make in business, uh, along with the way you invest in your body, affects your marriage. It affects your your parenthood to your children. It affects your friendships that you can or can't have, and and your your family relationships. And then lastly, it's being, and being is your spiritual self. It's thinking beyond the 70, 80, 90 years you're hopefully here on this earth, but really beyond that. And, and for me, that's my faith. Uh, and so, you know, everybody has to still address what they believe happens when they die and how they want their time here to echo into eternity, whether they believe like me and are a Christian or, or whether they believe another way, you have to address it. But a lot of people don't until it's too late or right at the last point of their life. And so instead, living your life with those four domains in mind is is super important to me. And here's the thing. There is not a time in my life where more than two of the domains are fully clicking. It's always like business is good and balance is good, 
but man, my workouts are suffering. I'm not eating the way I want to. And my faith is suffering. I'm not spending as much time with God as I want to, right? It's always a point. So for me, it's all about creating controls in my life where A, I don't lie to myself because the reality is human beings, we're liars and we lie to ourselves more than anyone else. So A, it's like just making sure that I'm aware and I'm telling the truth to myself. Um, And I could go into a, a million I was ways just about to, to say, like, what are the mechanisms it, for doing that? But we could do a whole other show on that. Okay, go I, ahead. I mean, I mean, you know, it's it's thinking through the lens of of, of memoirs and and journaling and 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 also having a list of questions to ask yourself on a regular basis, but also having men and women around you, uh, you know, that just just are going to tell you the truth, and also guarding yourself from people that aren't going to tell you the truth because you need that in your life. But beyond not lying to yourself, it's also creating habits and controls in your life that can be a compound effect for success in each of those domains. And you can use your imagination on, you know, if you want to be strong in your being, for me, that's reading the Bible regularly and challenging myself on what it says. It's praying regularly. It's, you know, going to church. It's, it's having men around me that sharpen me in that. Right. And I could do that for each for body. It's paying a trainer. And having a diet and tracking my food and my fitness pal, looking at my whoop every morning and trying to track my sleep and my output, right? Like, like, and so each ca- each domain has those things. It's it's on you to create the controls in each domain to stop yourself from lying to yourself and to other people and face the facts and go into how you feel about those facts and find ways to have new focuses that help you be more successful in each domain. I'm just really passionate about that because I just know too many people who the only scoreboard is the money scoreboard and the business scoreboard and everything else suffers. And I've fought as an entrepreneur and the multiple businesses I've built and sold to not let that happen. And uh, finally, as I get some gray hairs on my beard, (laughs) I'm starting to at least see uh, a way to do that and and really put my family first, but also think through, through all these domains. Well, as we wrap up, I, I've got I've got two more questions, quick hitters. Um, so one, I would say on, on all four of those those pillars that you just mentioned, what do you feel like has been one of the most worthwhile investments that you've made to positively f- impact one of those four pillars? Actually, I'll tell you an investment I've made um, in, in all four, and that is uh, a program that I subscribe to called uh, Wake Up Warrior. And uh, Garrett White leads that. And uh, I, I also do it with a group of guys uh, here in Birmingham. And uh, it's given me the, the names and the formulas for each domain and, and, and really the, 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 the mechanisms I need to continuously be honest with myself in each. I mean, I mentioned some of the other things I've subscribed to, like a trainer and, uh, you know, things like that. And I, I could show you apps on my phone and, and how I, I do that. But Wake up warriors, the bigger picture answer. Beautiful. Uh, all right. Last question. Bring us home. You've got a gigantic billboard. You can say anything on it. Give piece of advice to people. What is that billboard saying? Could, could be about NIL, could be about personal leadership. What, have you, what are you putting on it? Stop lying to yourself. I love it. That's That'll it. fit on the billboard. And I think, it, I think it'll grab some attention as well. Uh, all right. So as we wrap up, Jim, where can people reach you, uh, follow along your journey, follow along the influencer journey, uh, any calls to action for, for our listeners? I, I, you know, the big thing is, is, you know, leadership takes, takes, you know, you 
making hard decisions. And I think just seeing everything that's out there in whatever market you're in and making tough decisions is really important. That's my call to action. Just make tough decisions. That's what leaders do. It's not supposed to be easy. Um, you can follow me, Jim Caval, J-I-M-C-A-V-A-L-E uh, on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. Um, but you know, I got nothing to sell you. I just want to see you, <laughs> you know, be the best leader you can be because our industry needs it. And um, you know, that's what I'm yes. trying to do. I know I can be better, but I think if all of us work towards that every day, we've got something special that we can do as this industry changes. Jim, great advice for all of our listeners out here. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. And as always, looking forward to the next conversation with you. Appreciate it, David. Today's episode is brought to you by Checked In, a new tool in your operations toolkit that helps you understand exactly who's working in your venue. It's one of the tech products the engagement team helped create during the pandemic. And with it, we set out to solve some of the key problems sports and entertainment operators face every day. The tool does a few things, from helping you gain more labor data to operate more efficiently and mitigate risk. And it also saves you time and headaches by automating the horrible check-in and credential approval process that has existed for so long. But my favorite part of Checked In, hands down, is that it's tied to a digital learning platform. Now, historically, training game day staff has taken place before the beginning of a season. But how do you train the workers that start mid-season or the workers that just come in to work the big games, the big events? Well, this tool solves that issue. With Checked In, you can create and push training to your teammates digitally, and you can require employees to watch training videos before they're able to physically check in to work. Checked In has begun rolling out at some of the biggest stadiums in the country, and they're now opening up beta access on a limited basis. If you want to see how it works and get a demo, head to checkedin.app. That's C-H-E-C-K-D-I-N.app. We'll make it easy and link to it in the show notes. Hey guys, before you head out, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. That helps more of your peers find the show as they search for ways to get better in their own roles. But this podcast is just a small part of what we do at Engagement. In our normal day in the office, we're crazy focused on helping athletic departments and sports and entertainment companies generate more revenue by becoming more customer-centric. To see how we might be able to help your organization, visit engagementpartners.com to learn more. Download a free guide, check out our blogs and case studies, or schedule a call with us if you want to see how we can help with your particular objectives. Our goal is to help you create deeper connections with fans and generate more revenue. So when you're with us, hopefully you find a nugget or two that helps your cause.